Hello guys, Jonathan here from Arcade Repair Tips. We would just like to take a moment and thank you for listening to the audio replay of the live show here on the podcast feed. We'd also like to remind you to join our live show on the first Thursday night of every month at 5.30 p.m. Central Time. It's always a great time and we enjoy interacting with people just like you in our live chat. So be sure to make plans to be there for the next one. Remember also that we have an after show that takes place immediately after the live show. And if you'd like to listen to the audio from that, you will need to check it out on our YouTube page, which can be found at youtube.arcaderepairtips.com. So let us continue on with a short word from our sponsor, and then we'll get to the episode. Broadcasting from their world headquarters in Texas, it's the Arcade Repair Tips Live Show. The show that discusses arcade repair, restoration, news, and more. Now, here are your hosts, Tim and Jonathan. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Arcade Repair Tips Live Show for January 2021. Tim, we're finally out of 2020. Who would have thought? But anyway, guys, thanks for joining us tonight for episode 47. My name is Jonathan Leung, the producer, director, and editor of the Arcade Repair Tips video series. And joining me today, as always, is Mr. Arcade Repair Tips himself, Tim Peterson. Tim, how you doing? Well, I'm doing okay, Jonathan. I don't know about 2021's not off to a great start. I, I think I, my test, if the test subscription is over, I just want to go ahead and uh, start back over again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, it, you know, I think somebody posted that it's uh, December thirty seventh, twenty twenty, still or something to that effect. So I mean, yeah, we may still be there, Tim. But uh, it is good to have a new year, regardless of if it's kind of a continuation of last year a little bit. But um, hopefully, this will be looking better for us and for y'all. But we want to thank everyone for joining us tonight. Hopefully, Tim, we can kind of take everybody's mind off some of the insanity that has taken place over the last couple of days. And guys, that's what we are here. We like to be a respite from some of that stuff. Um, if you want to hear us talk about it, we'll probably talk about it a little bit in the after show if you guys want to stick around for that. But, uh, Tim, other than all the craziness that's been going on in the nation, how are you doing? Oh, I'm pretty good. Just um, working a lot of hours. Um, we are still busy, uh, which is good. Uh, good for uh, at least my economy, you know, is doing okay. Uh, and still able to go to work every day, so I'm thankful for that. But, uh, you know, it takes a toll on an old man having to get up and go to work work with my long hours. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize how early you have to wake up, Tim. What time do you usually get up to a typical Dairy Queen store when you have to work there? I get up around 4.55 a.m., and that's just enough time to throw my clothes on and go uh, to be there at 6. Uh, some mornings I go in and start at 5 o'clock, so I have to leave about 3.55 yeah, I mean, that's way too early, Tim. That's an hour, at least an hour earlier than I wake up, and <laughs> I think I wake up early. So um, I'm <laughs> I'm glad I don't have your schedule, but I still, you know, I usually get off a little earlier, don't you? Um, well, because don't of that. Until 5 o'clock. Okay. Ah, golly, that's a long one. Uh, but hopefully you're raking in some good overtime. Are you working more to f- than 40 hours right now? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 55, 55 hours, hours is my schedule work week. Oh, golly, that's a lot. Well, it's a job, like you said. Thankful to have it. I understand that. So I'm glad to I'm glad to hear that everything else is going good. And Tim, obviously, we hope everybody had a good Christmas, good New Year's. And another thing, probably we'll talk about more in the after show, Tim. It's some of the stuff you may have gotten for Christmas. Of course, everybody saw us uh, open up our presents here on the live show. But um, for for those of you who want to know uh, some of the other things we got, we'll talk about that in the after show. 
But Tim, before we go on, I do want to remind everybody that we have our live chat this evening that they can interact with the show through. And Tim, I've got uh, YouTube Punk says he's here. He's got a weird schedule. Not sure if he's going to be around long, but... As always, Tim, we're always glad to have you here, YouTube Punk. Uh, the Vintage Tech Guy is here. We got the Real Hammer Billy Lee is here. Michael Bloom is here, Tim. So we got a lot of the regulars here for the live show. We're so glad you guys can join us. What was that, Tim? I'm noticing a lot of familiar names, guys. Thank you for coming or being here. Oh, yeah, repeat viewers, Tim. That's what it's all about, right? Like having people come back after you've already been here. We love that. So uh, we're so glad that you guys are here and watching us tonight. Hopefully, like I said, we can we can have a little fun, answer some arcade repair questions, and uh, and just hang out, right? Talk arcade games. That's what we like to do here. So, Tim, uh, before we before we move on, I will also um, I will also mention here that I am wearing my new Game Preserve shirt, which is just like the one I got you. But I just recently ordered this. Uh, Tim, we posted on our Facebook page, and we're going to talk about this a little bit uh, more in in the uh, further in the show. But uh, they're trying to reach a goal right now, and they're trying to raise money, and they're so close. They're only, I think they only have ten percent more. Uh, to their goal in order to reach it. And so if you guys want to support the Game Preserve, of course, Tim, you know, that's Rusty and Eric, along with several of our other friends who run the Game Preserve. And so, you know, we highly recommend that you go there, support them. That's the GamePreserveHouston.com. Tim, I ordered the shirt like I got you, and I also ordered us both coffee mugs. Um, Tim, mine doesn't have coffee in it, but I'm going to let uh, all those people in the live chat decide what's in it. How about that? It is, it is after, after 5, five o'clock, o'clock here. here. And it's always 5 o'clock somewhere, Tim. That's all. all, right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> so that's all I got to say. So anyway, guys, uh, we hope that we find you well tonight, and we look forward to answering some arcade repair questions with you. So, Tim, uh, just a couple of comments about waking up early since you mentioned that. YouTube Punk says, uh, 5 a.m. Oy vey. He says that's way too early, apparently, for him. Michael Bloom says, my alarm goes off at 5.10 to be at work at 6. So you see, he—he's you're more on my schedule, Michael. That's closer to the time. I, I wake up about five thirty, five forty-five. Uh, let's see. <laughs> oh, somebody says, "Let me buy your mispack cabinet." Unfortunately, it's not for sale, Tim. I do have one in storage, though. If I could ever get that thing actually restored, I may sell. Uh, Tim's been trying to talk me out of it for a while now, but you know, Tim, with the prices of art of classic arcade cabinets going up so much, I just hate to sell anything right now. You know? Uh-huh. Where am I going to find another mispack? I'll have to make make one. one. Well, that's true, but I mean, there's something about a cabinet that was in the arcade at one time. You know, I'm yeah, saying? yeah. Oh, I, mine, mine came, came from Dairy Queen, Queen. so oh, I, that's right. That, that's cool. cool. It was in the Dairy Queen, Queen at one, one time. time. Yeah, and uh, I did a big trade where, um, actually a big buy, and Tim was there with me, where I purchased three games, an Asteroids that did Asteroids and Asteroids Deluxe, a Galaga, and a um, Night Driving Pinball Machine, uh, or, um, uh, what is oh, the Sega one, I can't, it's not, it's Night... Viper Night Driving, that's what it is. Uh, and those three had also come out of a Dairy Queen at one time. Remember that? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah I do remember that. Yeah. And a Pac-Man Cabaret, which I still have the Pac-Man Cabaret and the Galaga, but I no longer have the uh, the Asteroids or the Night Drive, uh, the, the Viper Night Driving. Tim, that Asteroids, though, was one of the most beautiful Asteroids I'd ever seen. I, it broke my heart to to, uh, to sell it, but Tim, I wouldn't have been able to get my X-Men pinball machine without it. So, Yeah, yeah that's, that's true. It was part of the trade, so it is what it is. You do what you do. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, Tim, let's go ahead and get into some arcade repair-related questions for this show. And Tim, the first one I have here is from Rick. So let's go ahead and read Rick's question real quick. Hi, Tim. I have a Defender slash Defender 2 stand-up machine with a few problems. First, the CRT tube is cracked at the neck. The anode cup was disconnected as well, so I have not powered it up. I'm wondering if the glass tube is cracked 
uh, I'm wondering if the glass tube that is cracked is a no-go for the CRT tube to function properly. Does this mean that I need to replace the monitor? By the way, thank you for your excellent video channel on YouTube. Sincerely, Rick. So, Tim, uh, this is a pretty common thing that happens from time to time where you get, uh, you accidentally crack the neck on your CRT tube. Uh, Tim, we've had this happen to us before. Typically, it's because uh, we didn't take off the back door properly. Seems to be a, a pretty good fault. Or for some reason, the back door did not slide in properly whenever we put it on. It seems like the back door a lot of times will hit the back of that neck and crack it. And so, Tim, obviously an issue that we're familiar with. But what do you think Rick needs to do in order to get his Defender slash Defender 2 back up and running? Well, like I said, Johnson, we are familiar with this plight. Um, and in every instance that we've ever had, we've had to replace the tube or the monitor, the whole monitor at this point. Um, you know, and that's hard to do because most of the time we're always trying to repair it, trying to repair it. We don't know anything that can fix the glass or any way that's possible. Uh, if, uh, it if it is, it's probably be so expensive, expensive that it wouldn't be worth it. it. I mean, you I can get, get a, a donor, donor tube, you know, you know or, or we, we've got, uh, I know on our page we talk about that, where you can find tubes and stuff. So you don't have to replace the whole chassis, just the tube part of it. But that can be difficult, too. So, you know, depending on his level of skill or the time that he has or the even availability of a donor tube, um, he may just have to replace it. And unfortunately, today's times, that may have to be with an LCD monitor. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, somebody was saying that you had a little funky sound there, Tim. Uh, sorry about that, guys. I forgot to turn off. Um, I have the desktop audio, and I also have Tim's audio. And I have to turn on the desktop audio in order to play the, the intro sound. But sometimes if I leave that on, we'll get some funky feedback. So Tim should be fixed on the echo guys sorry about that up front uh but um sorry about that little issue but tim you're exactly right i mean here you're probably looking at a monitor replacement now you could do a tube swap correct yeah so you could That's, go ahead we had them before and uh you know there's depending like i said even those are getting hard to find these days just old tubes are getting hard to find absolutely but you know if you dig around at your local junkyard find a donor tube from a tv tim there are some places where you can go to uh to find those and so tim unfortunately i did not put any of the links in the show notes for today um but we will have them here during the show so hopefully you guys can can do that and uh and uh check it out but uh tim i'm just gonna go ahead and throw the slide up here because it pretty much says what you already you already mentioned here yep based on your description it sounds like you will need to replace the tube in order to get the monitor working again and tim i do reference the donor tube list on uh, junknet.net that we've talked about before, Tim, and there's also a link to that if you want to use that. Tim, that is by no means a comprehensive list of donor tubes. There, you can use as long as the the um, as long as the yoke settings are the same, you can pretty much use any tube, and as long as the neck board fits, as we've talked about, uh, you can use that tube. But uh, those are the two things you want to check. You want to check the tube. You want to check the uh, the neck board. Make sure that those fit. And like like Tim mentioned, though, finding donor tubes can be difficult depending on where you're located. So it may be better to go with an LCD monitor replacement. Um, so just make sure that you go with something that's a commercial-grade arcade quality one that supports the 15 kilohertz signal, Tim. Uh, a lot of vendors sell those, um, including Suzo Hap or Twisted Quarter or any a lot of the uh, different ones that we recommend, right, Tim? Correct. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, they're, you... they're, very, they're very easy to get. So, I mean, if you're looking at that. Now, Tim, I don't know which Defender slash Defender 2 he has because I know that Team Play made one, right? The same people who make the, uh, the little three-in-one centipede with centipede, let's go, bowling, and millipede, right? Yes, and that's what I was thinking. It may be a, a newer version of that game. 
So uh, it may not, uh, you know, may be easier actually to put an LCD in there. Exactly. So it just depends on, on really uh, what your cabinet is. And Tim, I've also seen people who have, of course, uh, kind of made their own Defender slash Defender 2 uh, versions. So it really depends on kind of what you're working with there. But more than likely, Tim, it is going to be using the standard 15 kilohertz signal. So any LCD monitor that supports that, or a lot of times you'll see it as CGA if you're looking for LCD monitors, any CGA monitor that you're looking for should support that resolution and allow you to to use it in your cabinet. Tim, is there anything else you have for Rick before we move on? I don't think so. Good luck, Rick. So please let us know how, what you ended up doing. Sounds good. So Rick, hopefully it answers your question and good luck getting your Defender slash Defender 2 back up and running. And Tim, yeah, a cracked neck on a, on a monitor tube is just such a, <laughs> it's such a deflating moment, especially if you witness it. Uh, oh my goodness. It, it just, it'll break your heart for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but hopefully he can get it back up and running. What do you say, Tim? Like it's like the blue screen of death on the Windows 95 or something. Yeah, you know, you can still get a blue screen even now, Tim, in a Windows 10. But I will say that Windows 10 is much more resilient than Windows 95 or 98 used to be back in the day. Um, but yeah, I think that's a, an apt comparison is to say basically like getting a blue screen of death is, is kind of the same thing. So, uh, But Rick, good luck with your repair. And please let us know if you have any additional questions about that monitor swap. If it, you, Whether you go with a tube swap or you go with a full-on monitor swap. So. Okay, we've got a couple of things here, Tim. Uh, Danny says, Happy New Year, guys. Enjoy seeing you again. Uh, hope both of your families are fine and safe. Same to you, Danny. Hopefully you had, hopefully you had a great uh, New Year's Eve and all that kind of stuff. Tim, just a little respite here. Um, how was your New Year's Eve? It was good. Um, we have my wife, you know, being a teacher, she has uh, teacher friends, and they invite just another couple invited us over, and we played some cards. And, uh, you know, all of us are old, so we barely made it past New Year's, but we did. <laughs> and then made it home safely, easily, and uh, got to sleep in a little the next day. So it was good. It was just plain and simple. Watched the ball drop a little bit, and that was about it. You know, um, for us, it was pretty much the same. We stayed here at home. We didn't go anywhere. Uh, we actually had the exact same New Year's Eve that we had last year. Um, and I know that's kind of funny, but... Um, Last year, um, same as this year, my daughter got a whole bunch of Lego sets. And so New Year's Eve, New Year's Day are kind of like the days that we go and put those Lego sets together. So um, this year, I promised her we would do... Uh, she got a big amusement park, and so we put together a big a big amusement park Lego set. Uh, but she, she loves doing that. It's kind of like putting together puzzles or, or playing games even, Tim. You know, the Lego sets today are amazing, so... Yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, Michael Bloom says, I broke down and installed an LCD in my Killer Instinct 2 despite the purest in me. Uh, screaming. As soon as I fired it up, I knew I made the right decision. <laughs> yeah, guys, CRT monitors are harder to find. I mean, now, KI2 is a 25-inch, and you can find some CRT 25, 27 inches, Tim, new, but they're expensive, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, if you're going to replace it with a new one, especially, and finding used ones, depending on your area, is tough. Sometimes, guys, you just have to bite the bullet and go LCD. Tim, Everything in my game room, except for one, is, is CRT. I'm hoping I can continue that way, but uh, you just never know when these things are going to go. And once that tube is gone, finding a donor tube, especially now, is a lot tougher than it used to be. So, Yeah, I think so. There you go. Uh, let's see. Mr. Dwayne 79 is here, too. He says, hey, guys. So there you go, Ted. Hey, Dwayne. So there we go. So, uh, again, guys, we're so glad to have you here with us tonight. And uh, just make sure that you uh, leave some, uh, you know, uh, some comments, questions in the live chat if you have anything for us, Tim. Do you have a question you'd like to pose to the live chat tonight, Tim? I'm just curious. Um, oh, that's a good a good question there. I guess, you know, um, you know, do you see yourself 
um, buying more games in the next year, or is it, has stuff tightened, you know, everybody, I think, is feeling a little financial strain, whether you've worked all year or not. Um, so, you know, I kind of see myself as um, maybe just appreciating what I have in my collection and working on it. That's, that's kind of my goal of 2021. Uh, what about you guys in the live chat? Do y'all foresee buying more games or kind of, I'm in the mode of fixing what I got this year, kind of. I like the, I like the question saying like, what are your arcade goals for 2021? Is that a good way to say yeah. it? Yeah. So there you go. So uh, if you guys have arcade goals for 2021, let us know what they are in the live chat this evening. So, okay, Tim, let us continue on with our, with our questions. And the next one is from Gus. And Gus says, hi, I'm looking for opinions, please. I have a Robotron and the left joystick won't go left sometimes. Sometimes it does, sometimes it gets stuck and won't go left. The robot won't move in the left direction. Any idea what the issue could be? I bought a new joystick from eBay, so I'm hoping that'll fix the issue. But until I receive it, I thought I'd ask you. So Tim, we've got Gus here. He's got a Robotron, one of our favorite Williams games. It's a fun one to play. And so it seems like it's playing well. Everything's working with it, except sometimes he can't move left with it. So what do you think's going on uh, with Gus's machine here? What do you think he needs to do in order to get it working? Well, you know, John, I really like to watch guys who are good at Robotron. I'm not one of them. Um, but I like to watch people who are good. And when I watch people who are good play or even halfway decent, those joysticks take a pounding. <laughs> you know, it's one of those games where you're really playing around with those joysticks. So it's very common for one of those, for it to just to wear out. So it may be time just to replace the joystick, and that should take care of this problem. Now, anytime we're having one particular joystick movement, in his case, I believe it was going left, um, you can check that switch and make sure that the leaf switch is, sometimes you can adjust it or you can just replace that one individual switch or a lot of times it's just a wiring to it. You know, we were building new games uh, a lot last year and uh, so, I'm sorry, let me tell this person, whoever's calling me, <laughs> I think that was... Um, I really need to call them about my car insurance, but you know, <laughs> not my car warranty, but we're going to have to save that to another time. Um, anyway, um, when we were building those new games, man, I can't tell you how many times we had one that wouldn't go, and we just didn't crimp the wires good to it, or it come unplugged, or a lot of times it was a grounding issue. So, of course, he wants to check his wiring, too, but at some point, uh, especially if you can get similar or reproduction joysticks. Uh, if you're very good at playing that game or you're going to play it a lot, kind of like our friend Steve and his Burger Time joystick, you might as well just keep one on hand because that dude can wear out a joystick over a year's time. Absolutely. Now, Tim, the only thing about Robotron is they use those eight-way Leaf Wicko joysticks, which are hard to come by, like to get that exact one. Now, you can find eight-way Leaf joysticks, but many of the Robotron players that I've talked to say that if it's not the Wicko, it's not the same. And so, yeah, and so that's the only thing I think about going with the replacement here, Gus, is that it may not play quite as good as that Wicco. But, Tim, like you mentioned, he could maybe 
slightly adjust the leaf switch and maybe just bring in that outside terminal a little bit closer so that makes better contact or it could be a wiring issue obviously we've seen that before where ground wire falls off of a, a switch or even the switch wire falls off and so um it may not be a, a total replacement may not be needed he says he's already bought one so it's fine i mean if you want to replace it i'm just letting you know that the gameplay of the new joystick may not match the gameplay of the original joystick and if you have two that play differently I could see that being a little bit of uh, adjustment. What about you? Yeah, I can believe that. Um, but at the same time, like you're saying, uh, the fact it works sometimes and sometimes doesn't makes me feel like maybe it just needs an adjustment or it's a wiring issue. So hopefully there is some fix there before we go total replacement route. Sounds good. So, Tim, I'm going to throw up the slide here for, for Gus. Uh, from your description, it does sound like either a joystick or wiring issue. So there's a good chance that replacing your joystick will solve the problem. If the problem lingers after the joystick replacement, inspect your connectors and wiring from the joystick switch to the main board. With that... Don't be back. What'd you say? I do need to get this call. I will be back. Okay. I'll finish up this okay. one, and then we'll go to the live chat for a bit. Okay. Um, okay. With that said, it could be that the leaf switches just need to be adjusted a bit on your current joystick. Sometimes the leaf switches will become misaligned over time, causing them to not register properly. Tim mentioned that when um, good Robotron players are on the machine, typically they beat up those joysticks really good. So over time, those leaf switches may become slightly misaligned. Um, a small modification with some needle nose pliers may help in this case. So if this is you, you may just need to bend in those um, those leaf, those uh, leaf switch terminals just a bit to in order for them to touch a little bit better whenever you press that left direction. It happens, like I said. Uh, but if you do the joystick replacement, you're happy with it, you should be fine. So, um, guys, hopefully that answers your question, and good luck uh, with the Robotron joysticks, uh, or replacing the Robotron joystick or adjusting it, depending on what you decide to do. Okay, so I lost Tim for a second. I don't know what Tim's background is. I saw that, um, I, I saw that uh, YouTube punk, you said that. It looks like a bus... I don't know. I'll ask him when he comes back. Now, Wasteland Warrior asks, how can I use a pin, or can I use a pin shaker motor in my Williams Roadshow? Not for sure about that. Um, I would probably contact like Pinball Life or somebody like that who sells those and ask them if it was going to be compatible. Uh, unfortunately, we don't work on as many pinball machines as we used to, especially not older ones anymore. And so I don't know if offhand they're going to be compatible with each other. But like I said, if you contact the, whoever the parts distributor that you want to buy it from, is and ask them a lot of times they'll be able to let you know because i mean here's the deal parts distributors guys want to sell you parts and so if they know that you know they'll find out if something's compatible because they want to sell it to you so it may not be a bad idea wasteland warrior to go ahead and contact somebody uh whoever you're looking at buying the part from i don't know who, if that's marco or pinball life or whoever that is just contact them and ask them hey can i use can i use my um th this shaker motor in my uh, roadshow and i'm sure they can let you know so, yeah, I guess Tim's always on duty. I don't know if this is a Dairy Queen-related call or not. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll find out, I'm sure, when he gets back. One thing I do want to mention is that uh, Tim posed a question to you guys in the live chat about uh, arcade goals for 2021, if you guys had any. I don't know. I don't plan on any, on buying anything personally this year, but I did see that Arcade 1-Up's going to be announcing some new cabinets. And um, last year, I did buy the Golden Tee. I think that was the only one I purchased last year was the Golden Tea Cabinet. I've been very happy with the Golden Tea Cabinet. Uh, it's actually sitting right here. You guys can't see it, but um, it's a it's actually a very well-designed cabinet. It plays well. People come over, they play it. 
Uh, we've had no issues out of it. So I may end up buying another Arcade 1-Up depending on what they release. Um, I like the NBA Jam cabinet that they had. I thought that was cool looking. Uh, and the, the Ninja Turtles cabinet was really great. I don't know if we're going to see repros of those at any point. But I don't know what the release schedule is looking like right now. But we'll find out. With CES coming up, I'm sure we're going to get some announcements soon. Uh, let's see. Uh, Michael says, I found that gently running some fine grit sandpaper through the leaf contacts can remove oxidation. That will make the switch a little more responsive. That is correct. Something that we did not mention, thank you, Michael, for that, is that you can run some some uh, fine grit sandpaper between the contacts. A lot of times that will um, that'll give them just enough uh, of, um, it'll, it'll put just enough abrasiveness on there to clean those contacts to where they make a little bit better connection. So that may be another way you want to go, Gus, um, rather than replacing it like we talked about. Um, let's see. Uh, Danny says, YouTube Punk, I feel like you had a cruising world for a while or need another board. Um, oh, YouTube Punk also reminds us that Maddie Mo's Arcade is having a contest to win a free cap kit. And uh, for those of you guys who don't know, Matt uh, does a, a great job with his YouTube channel, uh, Maddie Mo's Arcade. So if you haven't visited that and you're into arcade repair and restoration stuff, you should definitely check out his YouTube channel as well. Uh, great content there. There's so many great arcade channels here on YouTube. So I hope that uh, you're taking in more than just us and you're checking out some of the others as well because there's a lot of great content out there if you're interested in arcade repair. Uh, let's see. Where can I get a, two 1911 pistols for a Lethal Enforcer's cabinet? If you're looking for the originals, I'm not sure if anybody makes the original repro Lethal Enforcer's guns anymore. A lot of times I see them now, they have the standard issue HAP guns. And so if you're looking for the original Lethal Enforcer's guns, you're probably going to have to look to some arcade forums to see if there's some people who have them used out there. But the the HAP guns, the standard HAP light guns should work with Lethal Enforcers. You may need an adapter kit in order to get them to plug in directly. I'm not for sure on that. But I've seen many Lethal Enforcers now that are using standard HAP guns over using the um, original Lethal Enforcers guns. So, again, I don't know if there's anyone who's reproing those uh, Lethal Enforcers guns right now. Um, more than likely, you're going to have to find somebody who's got them lying around used or new old stock or something. So, uh, yeah, and uh, YouTube Pump mentions Arcade Boneyard. Maybe a good place to check out if you're looking for used parts there for sure. Uh, that's uh, Cisco Malo. So, uh, yeah, you might try that. So, and David says, Happy New Year, Jonathan. Happy New Year, David. How's it going? I'm sitting here killing time while I'm waiting for Tim to come back. I could technically do another question without Tim, but, um, you know, I feel bad about that. I like having him here. Uh, maybe I should do this next one, though, because this involves the 412-in-1 uh, board with the Game Elf board that a lot of you guys are familiar with. And so I tell you what, I'm just going to move on without Tim. We're going to, we'll uh, do one question without him, and that way we don't, we're not here all night killing time before he gets here. So here's a question from Jamie, guys, and he says, Great site. I've been spending some time on there. I have a 16-in-1 JAMA board in my Multicade from 2007. I want to move up to a 412-in-1 Game Elf. I have a trackball. I don't want to mess around with cutting harnesses. So here are my questions. Will a JAMA JAMA adapter allow me to plug the 412 and not cut wires? Will I need a trackball rewire set? Is there anything else I might need? Do you sell the equipment? And if not... Can you point me to the correct site? Seriously, I thank you in advance for your help, Jamie. So, guys, we have Jamie here, and Jamie's having some problems. Uh, well, they're not problems, really. He wants to move up to the 412-in-1 game elf board from his 60-in-1. So this is something we get a lot. We actually did a, actually I did a video on it because we had a customer who was wanting to move up to that 412 and one. Of course, the 412 and one gives you a lot more games, which is what most people who are doing this mod want. They want 
just more games than the 61 gives you. To be honest with you, I love the 61 because it does give you, I feel like, the best selection of classic games. But the 412 and one is also a good board too. Here's the thing though, Jamie, I don't know of an adapter board that's, or any kind of adapter that you can buy that's going to allow you to just plug and play the 412 and one into the 60 and one. I, you could probably make one, uh, but um, I don't know of anything that will allow you to do that because there's a couple of modifications you have to make in order to get the 412 in one board to work in a 60 in one wired cabinet. And the two biggest things are the trackball wiring. Now, the 61 does have an actual um, connector for the trackball, but a lot of the 60 in one cabinets I've seen have the trackball wired to the player two controls so that they don't have to use the um, connector on the board. And depending on how yours is wired now, you may you may be hooked up to that connector or you may be hooked up to the player two controls. But I don't think the 412 in one supports the trackball being hooked up to the player two controls. So at any rate, you're going to have to cut those wires off of off of the harness in order to hook it up to the trackball port on the 412 in one. Also, the 412 in one does not like it when we have the ground on pin 27 of the of the JAMA harness. And a lot of 16 ones, they'll wire it up like that because I believe that's what the standard JAMA wiring is. They'll go ahead and, and have a ground there at pin 27. So more than likely, you will have to cut that ground off in order to work in order to get to work with the 412 in one board. So those are two wiring modifications that have to be made in order to get the 412 in one board working in a 60 in one wired cabinet. So there's really not a plug and play solution that's not going to requires some rewiring uh and like i said depending on where your trackball is wired you're going you're going to have to cut it pretty much because i don't think that the adapters on the 61 board the trackball adapters are the same as the ones on the 412 in one they may slip in there never tried that before if it's the connector but there is a, a trackball harness for the 412 in one that you'll probably need to wire into for your trackball so you will need the 412 in one harness uh trackball adapter which holland computers has unfortunately i did not link to it but uh, i'll put it in the show notes after the fact for you jamie so you can find it so more than likely to do this you're gonna have to cut pin 27 off of your jamma harness so that it's not connected to ground anymore and then you're gonna have to figure out how to rewire your trackball in order to connect it to the 412 and one so those are the two hurdles you'll have to come up you'll have to you'll have to uh, jump over in order to get this working and i'm just going to go ahead and show the uh, slide here so you guys can see it so we don't as i mentioned we don't know of an adapter that you can buy that will allow you to use a 412 in one board in a cabinet that's wired for the 60 in one without at least some modifications while most of the wiring is the same between the two two boards i mean they're both technically jamma boards but there are some slight modifications. The biggest changes being that the trackball wiring and making sure the pin 27 is not connected to ground. Second one is super easy because you just cut it and you're fine. And when I say cut it, guys, make sure that you cut it and then wrap it. So, uh, and you can do that with just electrical tape or something else. Just kind of wrap it around there and be fine. Um, you just don't want that wire exposed very much just in case it does, uh, it does um, touch something else. Because a floating ground could uh, obviously short something if it touches something. So at least wrap it with some electrical tape or something to make sure that after you cut it, it's not going to touch anything. So again, the first one, though, is a bit more difficult depending on how they wired up the trackball, whether it's wired up to the connector on the 16-in-1 board or whether it's wired up to the player two controls. Regardless, you will need the trackball harness in order to hook it up to the 412-in-1 board. And, and as we talked about, uh, you can get that harness from Holland Computers. And Jamie, I will send a link to you or I'll put a link in the show notes for you so you can get that. 
that um, harness, but you will need that. And it's going to require probably some splicing of wires on your part. It's not hard. You're just going to have to match up the voltages and the grounds and the, um, the, the uh, positions, but it's really not that bad. You should be able to do it. And if you have any questions about how to wire that up, you can contact us and we'll try to help you out some more. So Jamie, hopefully that answer, answers your question and good luck with your, good luck with your uh, repair on your 412 or upgrading your 61 to a 412 in one. And Tim, he's back. I took a whole question without you. <laughs> well, sorry about that, Jonathan. Just to let everybody know that was a... And, and you know, is everybody like this? When you see a call from New Jersey, you're thinking spam, warranty, something. That was actually the drill instructor from San Diego. Landon, uh, as you guys might know, is in Marine Boot Camp, and we can't talk to him at all. But he won a contest today in a four-minute phone call. Wow. So I have not heard from him since uh, October 27th. I heard his voice at all. We didn't get to hear from him on Christmas or anything. So sorry, guys. I needed to take a four-minute phone call. But I am back and uh, glad to hear from Landon, although... His mother is going to be really disappointed. She missed it. So. Well, at least if you're going to miss part of the show, I'm glad you have a good story to make up for it. So there you go. And that's definitely a good story there. So I, I don't think anybody anybody uh, uh, begrudges you missing a little bit of the show for that. That's definitely a very important call to take. So now we had some chat while I was doing the um, while I was doing the last question, Tim. <laughs> YouTube Punk says we'll do it live. I'm not quite a Bill O'Reilly like uh, I, I thought. I was pretty calm considering the situation, Tim. So I wasn't like we'll do it live, you know, or anything like that. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, okay. uh, Danny says, I agree with Tim. Got three projects right now in my Golden T Cruising World and Z back Neo Geo. So he's going to be fixing up some projects, Tim. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Joe Flores says, I have a 1981 Tato Space Invaders. During gameplay, when the game gets jolted, I hear the sound of an invader being destroyed. Um, with the service door removed, I can gently tap on the outermost part of the PCB and the sound of the invader uh, destroys being heard. This only happens during gameplay. So, Tim, these um, Space Invaders PCBs, you really need to take them out and clean them big time, right? Yeah. Yeah, so like all of the edge connections and all the harnesses. And, Tim, I know that board has kind of like this right angle connector where one board plugs into another. You remember that? Uh-huh. You definitely need to clean that because a lot of times that will get dirty. And, it, and there's so many different variations of Space Invaders that they're, you know, it's hard to keep up with all of them. But, um... But again, making sure all the connections are good is is going a long way. Touching up some cold solder joints. And Tim, it looks like some of the guys in the live chat also mentioned that. Uh, let's see. And um, yeah, Wasteland Warrior said bad connection, cold solder joint, broken trace, chip leg cracked. Exactly. Um, probably need to look for that kind of stuff, Joe. That kind of stuff is what's going to be causing a small issue like this. So kind of go over your entire board, touch up some cold solder joints, check all of your connections, make sure everything is good. And hopefully you can bring that sound back on that uh, on that effect. So, let's see. Uh, let's see. <laughs> oh, YouTube Punk says, what are Landon's arcade goals, Tim? Uh, Landon's arcade goals are to get out of boot camp uh, and uh, get a good-paying job so he can afford to uh, pay me to buy, build him or buy him brand-new games. There you go. <laughs> there you go. So I think we're caught up on the live chat, so I'm going to go ahead and continue on here, Tim. So we, we, uh, we already addressed Jamie's question, if you're looking at the outline. So we're going to, we're going to move to CrocSox292. Now, Tim, typically people send their names in, but uh, when they don't, I just use the first part of their email address. So we have CrocSox292 here, and he has a question about a Street Fighter 1, Tim. 
Okay. My 1987 Street Fighter has had multiple issues since I picked it up last month. There's no net glow on the monitor. Where should I look to fix slash replace something and with what? I'm planning on buying a separate monitor to replace it while I fix my OG monitor. Original gangster monitor, yes. Also, Street Fighter 1 and a plethora of other Capcom games used a red joystick and mine only has one. Do you know where I could find a replacement red ball top? Thanks. So, Tim, we got two questions here from Crocstocks292. So, basically, we're having um, no neck glow on the monitor. It sounds, I mean, he doesn't mention specifically that he can hear the game playing. I'm kind of assuming that because I figure if he was saying that he doesn't hear the game playing, he would say, I don't hear the game playing or there's something else. So, I'm assuming we're, we're kind of playing blind at this point. So, that's the first one. And the second question is, where can he find a original red ball top joystick like the one that he has on his player two side of his Street Fighter One arcade game? Tim, what advice do you have for Croc Sox 292? Well, we'll take the first question, because, and that would be my first question to him. Is it, do you hear sound at all? Because if your power supply is out or something, of course, you're not going to get any glow on your monitor or um, gameplay at all. Or you could have the opposite. You could have glow on your monitor but no uh, gameplay. But he, the way, like you said, he surely it is not the issue. It sounds like it is a problem in his high-voltage area of his monitor. And fortunately, we do have a really good video on that that he can watch. But just to go through it, there are some components in that high-voltage section that he will probably need to replace and uh, take care of to, in order to fix his monitor or to send his chassis off for repairs. Absolutely. Now, um, Michael says, I thought SF1s had really weird hydraulic joystick. I don't know about the joystick, but they did have hydraulic game pads, Tim. The, um, the original Street Fighter had actually two different... Um, uh, two different little pads that you would punch, and depending on how hard you hit those, it would give you the the different uh, the different punches. So if you hit it lightly, it'd give you the light punch. Medium, it'd give you the medium, and heavy, it'd give you the heavy. Of course, Tim, they did away with that and went to the standard six button now um, six button layout uh, after a while, just because those pads were hard to replace. They got beat up all the time, and so even on Croc Soxes, you'll see that he's using the traditional six button layout. But Tim, what about that joystick? Um, where do you think he could find that um, that Capcom-style ball-top joystick? Well, I don't know of an exact replacement uh, these days except for to keep checking on eBay and stuff. Maybe some guys in the chat room that are more into fighting games uh, would know. Or, Jonathan, do you have an idea? I don't know of anywhere in particular selling that. I know what he's talking about. Right. Um, I'm not... I don't necessarily think that was the original joystick either, though. I think that any... He could replace them both with some half four-way style. I think they would be just as happy. Oh, more than likely eight-way style, Tim. Yeah, but I mean, I think yeah, I think a half ball top would probably work just as well with these. But there is something about keeping the game original, Tim, and I do understand that. Now, um, I believe this is Prince of Pinball is here in the live chat. He says, I'm the person with the Street Fighter game, and it turns out it was the power supply, Tim. So apparently we weren't getting game either. So he says, turns out it was the power supply. Thanks for the help. So, So that's good. Good to know that. Yeah, a lot of times, Tim, um, like I said, if we hear just that the monitor doesn't get any net glow, we're thinking a monitor issue, but very possible it can be a power supply, which is why we always like to say here at Arcade Repair Tips, you always need to start a power, ASAP, right, Tim? Yeah, the ASAP approach will get you. Now, about his joystick, um, like he said, like he said, does anybody in the chat room have an idea? 
Um, we didn't get a picture of the joystick because he has it's, one of it's, them. I was about to say that red one there, if you're looking at the outline, Tim, the red one there is the one I believe he's talking about. And I don't know okay. if there's anything special about that except for the fact they came on some Capcom cabinets, Tim. It may just be a standard ball top eight-way joystick. I mean, really. And we'd have to see it to see if it was any different than any other one. But like you said, Tim, he could just get some haps and put them in there and they'd probably be fine. So Unless he yeah, wants to, yeah. unless he's just really wants to have the originals, so. Yeah, so what he needs to Google search is the ultimate eight-way joystick, and I think that will probably work and and handle him better. And he actually chimed in, said he ended up replacing the joysticks with black bat tops, which Tim, when I think of Street Fighter, that's exactly the joystick I think of. Yeah, me too. More than the red ball that's on that one, so. I'm sure he's happy with it any, right now. Well, sure we're glad to hear that he's got everything going, Tim. It sounds like he's got his Street Fighter working. I have the answers to all the questions that we went over, but basically um, those don't apply considering it was more of a power supply issue. We were thinking it was probably going to be more of a um, more of a um, playing blind issue. But again, we do want to remind people, if you do have more of a playing blind issue where you hear the game playing but you don't have net glow, you don't have anything on the monitor, Make sure you check out our post on troubleshooting games that are playing blind, right, Tim? Because that's the one that shows you uh, a lot of the troubleshooting procedures that we do. Yeah, it sounds like uh, he just got in there and got to got to work himself and figured it out. Ninety percent of the stuff I figure out is just getting in there and getting to work. I myself have to look up stuff on YouTube or other videos or uh, charts, uh, schematics, all that stuff. But ninety percent of the fixes I do is just getting in there and fix and looking and tracking it down absolutely always starting at power tim is always such a key um you know you want to make sure you're getting good good power uh you know tim that that saying you know um is, is something that we kind of stole from uh oh williams programmer guy i can't even think of his name at the moment and i should because he's now under uh, the game, yeah. game preserve too but um we kind of took it from him but he also had another saying saying you know power's like mama when mama's not happy nobody's happy Right. So, I mean, that's another thing you always have to remember, guys, is that you always need to always start at power. It, it is always the the, um, the the first place you should start whenever you're doing any kind of repair because that will lead you – that if you're getting good power, that will – if you eliminate that, a lot of times you can find the other issues that you're having fairly easily, so – Okay, Tim. So I'm not like I said. I think uh, as far as the the red ball tops go, Tim. I didn't think we know anybody, but he did what we would have recommended anyway, just replacing them with some new ones. And and like I said, when I think of Street Fighter, I think of bat bat top joysticks, either black or red. Uh, mine has um, black bat top joysticks on it. Tim, my Street Fighter Two does. So I mean, I think if I'm playing, that's personally what I want to play with. So. Um, but there you go. So we're going to go ahead and leave this. Now, he does say, I have one more issue with the credits and, and buttons not taking input to the PCB. It powers on, but the credit switcher coin buttons won't work. I've replaced all of them. So it might be a wiring issue, more than likely a wiring issue. Right, Tim? Yeah, especially if you've replaced them. And a real quick check of that is just get you a jumper wire and uh, go across those where the wires come in. And if that works, um, then you know it's your switch. But if it doesn't work, then it could be in the wire somewhere. There's a break or probably your ground wire. Now, Tim, when it comes to coin doors, we've seen this, I don't know how many times, where the wires will get pinched up in the door itself. And, yeah. you know, a lot of people will, a lot of operators and even cabinet uh, manufacturers will wrap those wires in order to keep that from happening. But if for some reason, at some point, you have to work on those wires. A lot of times they won't put that wrap back on. And so when the door closes, every time it closes, you're pinching those wires every single time. And, and another place where we have failure with that, Tim, 
is in the connector usually. A lot of times there's a connector that connects the, the wiring harness to the coin door. And if that connector is not making a good connection, then a lot of times you'll have the same problem. So, um, so Prince of Pinball, hopefully some of those tips will help you out. Um, and Tim, you can always use the continuity test, right? Make sure that you're getting connection all the way back to your harness as well, correct? That's correct. So there we go. So Prince of Pinball, hopefully that answers your new questions after you've solved your other questions. But we're so glad to hear that you've got the game up and running. And hopefully you're going to be enjoying your Street Fighter game for a long time to come. Okay, we had a couple other things here in the uh, live chat. Let me see if I can get it here. Um, let's see. Okay. The original run of cabinets used hydraulic buttons. Yeah, and the real Hammer Billy Lee was saying, yeah, that's exactly correct. So I think the joysticks were this, were, were just regular eight-way joysticks on Street Fighter, but the original had the hydraulic buttons, which you would hit, and based on the intensity of your hit would be which one registered with the game, which is a cool concept, but in reality, I mean, operators, I'm sure, were having to replace those pads all the time, right, Tim? Oh gosh, that would have been an operator's nightmare. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's why we ended up they ended up going with the standard six button that we all are familiar with now. So Okay, Tim, I think we're caught up to the live chat, so let us continue on with our questions. The next one here is from Corey. Corey says, I have a question for you guys. I bought a big Buck Hunter Pro from an auction and it turns on, but it doesn't have the computer on the inside. What would it cost or take to fix this? Thanks. Corey. Now he, he has a little quote at the end saying, get in the game, Tim. So there you go. Right. So I'll go ahead and say that. I don't know if that's how he wants me to say it, but he put like uh, four exclamation points on the end. So, you know, I don't know if I exclaimed enough, but we'll just say, we'll leave it there. Now, Tim, you've, we've had experience with this. We've talked about our Arctic Thunder escapade that, that happened one time where you bought one at auction for like $150, but it had no computer and no monitor chassis, which was fun. Mm-hmm. So, uh, overall, yeah. though, when you're missing a computer, what can you really do about it in these type of games? Well, uh, you can talk to the manufacturer, being that it's sometimes they have, um, in this case, it would be raw thrills, right? Yes, correct. Uh, you know, you can talk to them and see if they have an old computer they would sell you. By now, they could probably care less about it. But they're actually pretty nice guys. What I would probably recommend is that you tell them, show them a picture that you have a game or whatever, that you're not just trying to remanufacture your own or something, and uh, that it didn't have a computer with it. So maybe they could sell you one at a reduced cost, or more than likely, uh, you could buy a computer, send it to them, and have them load the gaming software on there. They're going to charge you for that also, but it would be cheaper than buying a computer probably from them. Yeah, and Tim, I believe these just use off-the-shelf Dell um, computers. I mean, I don't think there's anything special about them, but the things that are special about them are the software, the dongle, typically has a dongle, security dongle that you'll have to have in order to play the game, and then there's an input-output board that you'll need as well in order to interface with the guns, Those are and the buttons. Those are like the main points of this, so if you're missing all three of those, Tim, I mean, what are we looking cost-wise to get a new computer a new I.O. board, and a new security dongle? A rough guess, probably 800 to $1,200. Golly. Um, and that would be conservative, I would think. Now, being that they're really nice guys, and they may just have some stuff they would sell you used, and everybody right now is kind of hurting for sales, um, they might would make you a deal. And I would just approach them on that way, or if you sent them the computer, you might ask them, what kind of computer do I need to send you that you could fix up for this? In other words, um, they still sell, I'm sure, the owl boards, but, you know, it's like, 
Um, how fast does it need to be? How big a hard drive or whatever do you need? Um, basically, he's going to have to talk to them or search eBay. Um, this is going to be a tough one to fix because, you know, just like Miss Pac-Man boards at one time, there were so many boards out, there were so many games. There wasn't a lot of extra boards. As games began to get destroyed, more boards were saved, stuff like that. It's probably not the case in these. You know, whatever was out there, an operator probably used it. So there's just not, it wasn't a huge home collector uh, trying to buy those up or replicate uh, those PCs. But they're very helpful, and I would definitely give them a call and go from there. There we go. So I'll go. I'll go ahead and, and throw this up here. Wasteland Warrior says, uh, "Look for eBay for big buck hunter parts." And Tim, that's also what we're going to recommend as an option. So as you probably guessed, you will need a new computer in order to get the game back up and running. You may also need a new I/O board, depending on whether or not you have one inside your cabinet as well. These items are not cheap. Computers on eBay, Tim, go around three hundred, and the I/O boards go from for around one fifty to two hundred and fifty, and other marketplaces. So they're definitely not. They're definitely not cheap. But if he can buy these, he may be back in business. Now, Tim, a lot of times you you may still need the security dongle with that. So right. that's something to keep in mind, too. There may be an additional cost for so for a software package and a security dongle on top of that. So, um, you know, you just have to you'll just have to see about that. But like Tim mentioned, try contacting Rothrill support to see if they will sell to you directly. But they may want more than you can find it for otherwise. You can, And like, like we mentioned, you may be able to find it for cheaper on eBay. But remember that you need all those parts. You need the security dongle, you need the PC with the software loaded, and you need the I.O. board. If you're missing any part of that, it's not going to work. And so even if you buy those off eBay, you may need to ship, turn around and ship those to Roth Rails in order to get everything working. Right, Tim? That's correct. So any other advice here for Corey that we can give him? I mean, this is Tim, this is kind of a worst-case scenario when buying a newer game is that the computer's not in there because, you know, basically at this point, it's kind of like building it from scratch, right? Yeah, kind of. And like I said, the only advantage would just be that everybody's hurting for sales right now. Uh, there's not as many arcades open, so they're not selling a lot of parts. Maybe they would be generous or at least willing to do some of this kind of work now for us collectors. Sound Whereas before they were concentrating on the retail end, they always got the priority, in other words. Absolutely. So, um, and like you mentioned, Tim, I mean, uh, we all know that Eugene Jarvis is still at Rothrills, correct? And there's a lot of um, people who have been in the arcade industry for years, I mean, at, at Rothrills now. And so it is, a, mm -hmm. uh, it is definitely um, one of the last arcade powerhouses, I would say, around, correct? Well, one of the last. There's still a few, but yeah, yeah, they definitely have a big, or, or were big, very big players uh, until the shutdown happened. You know, absolutely. So uh, you can get in touch with them on their website, Tim. I mean, if you if you do a search Google Google search on uh, Rothrails, and they have a support number and an email address that you can go to. So you may do that and just see what they would recommend for it. And uh, other than that. You know, eBay may be the way to go if you can find a cheap setup. But remember, I.O. board, security, dongle, and the software and the computer, uh, you'll need all three. So hopefully that answers your question, uh, Corey. And if you, have any, if you need any additional help, please let us know and we'll try to help you out further. Okay, Tim, we're to that point in the show where we do our questions from YouTube, our rapid-fire questions. And we have three this month that we're going to go over. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Okay, here we go. So the first one is from Doreen, and she says, We have a cocktail table arcade game. We have sound but not video. Can you help us tr troubleshoot? Okay, that's the first one. Christopher says, uh, What if only half the monitor is working? I have a half a screen. 
So that's the second one. And then Dark is Andy says, I am looking for some info on horizontal size. I have the same monitor adjustments you do in your video and there's no way for me to adjust the width of the screen. It, is it not possible? I can only make it bigger or smaller vertically. So Tim, we've got three here. We got Doreen who has sound but no video on her cocktail table. We have Christopher who is only getting half of the picture on his monitor. And we have Dark is Andy who is wondering if he can change the horizontal width on his monitor. So Tim, let's take them one at a time starting with Doreen. Okay, sound but no video on a cocktail table. What do we need to do? Well, it sounds like she has the, the actual, what we've been talking about, or we talk about a lot, is the case of playing blind. She needs to really watch our video on that because there's many things that could be. Unfortunately, in that video, we come across just about every one of them. Absolutely. So that's the first one for Doreen. Christopher is having a half screen. What does he need to do, Tim? Well, he's experiencing some monitor foldover or something like that. He probably should start by doing a cap kit, and a lot of times that will solve that issue. Now, uh, Tim, I will chime in too. Maybe partial collapse? Maybe? Yeah. So um, we do have a video on repairing monitor collapse issues as well. So if you try a cap kit, you're still having problems, you may check out our video on repairing monitor collapse issues at that point. And then uh, Dark is Andy. How can he adjust the horizontal width, Tim? Well... You need to find the coil itself, and uh, we talk about the TV alignment tool that we use. Uh, by all means, don't use a um, hex head Allen wrench. Allen wrench. Um, you get the right tool and try that. He may end up having to replace his uh, horizontal whip coil. Sounds good. Well, let me just go ahead and put all those up here, real Tim, uh, Tim real quick, so that way we can kind of go over them. So, Doreen. Sounds like a pretty standard case of playing blind. Please see our post on troubleshooting games that are playing blind for more information on that. Christopher, your monitor is either experiencing partial collapse or maybe fold over. Try cap kit first, like Tim mentioned. And then if that doesn't help, check out our post on repairing monitor collapse issues. That should help you out. And then Dark is Andy. Tim Tim mentioned the horizontal width coil. This is what you need to look at, okay? And you, we have a whole post on it on our website, adjusting the horizontal width coil. And make sure you use the TV alignment tool for this, right, Tim? Because otherwise, uh, you might burn your fingers. You may break a coil. There's a lot of things that can go wrong if you're not using the right tool, right? That's correct. There you go. So, Tim, I think we hit those uh, fairly rapidly and quickly. So, hopefully, all of those questions... Uh, are answered, but if you have any additional questions about your question, Doreen, Christopher, or Dark as Andy, please let us know, and we'll try to help you out further. So, uh, Tim, we do have, let's see, Danny says, is Final Lap 2 medium res? Do you know if it's a medium res game, Tim? That is a um, Namco driving game, Final Lap 2. That would not surprise me if it is, because it seems like a lot of those Japanese driving games are medium res. But, yeah. you know, KLOV usually will list whether or not it's a standard res or a medium res. And so you may check KLOV and see uh, what it says it is. And that, uh, like I said, now KLOV is not always right. I, I will say that. But it is, right. it is right more often than it's incorrect. So um, if it does say if it's medium res, more than likely it is probably a medium res. There's a chance it could still be standard. But um, most of the times, like I said... 85% of the time, KLOV is, is correct on that stuff. So check out KLOV, Danny, and see see if you can find out what the resolution is for it. Okay, Tim. That's, oh, Michael Bloom says Eugene Jarvis is a god. You know, you, Eugene Jarvis is awesome, Tim. I mean, we've already, we covered Robotron earlier, um, but just think of all of the, the wonderful games he's been involved in, right? Yeah. Um, sorry to interrupt, John. Uh, yes, we like Eugene Jarvis. I'm looking on arcade 
dash museum.com. Yeah, what KLOV basically. Yeah. It, and they say that, well, it's kind of like a, I remember it being being standard. Okay. Okay. And it, they listed a standard. But um, anyway, what I'm thinking is, is that there could be a, uh, why is he asking, in other words? It's a medium resolution, is what he's asking. Yeah, I'm asking, why is he asking? Is he having problems? Is it coming up like triple screen? That yeah, I I don't know. He he's just asking if it's medium res. That's it. Yeah, I think it's standard. Okay. And I remember it being standard because we had one. Yeah, I think I, I think I think that's correct. Like I said, it's just that it seems like a lot. Go ahead. We swapped out some monitors on it, and I think we tried a medium res from a cruising, and it didn't work. Gotcha. So yeah, I mean, like I said, it just seems like a lot of those Japanese driving games are, but not every one. Not every one. So. So it could, yeah. If if KLOV says it's standard, I I'm gonna to lean towards KLOV. So yeah, it is on KLOV. Does say that. Okay, sounds good. So there you go. It is a standard resolution, Danny, uh, according to KLOV. So hopefully that helps. Uh, now, Tim, it's time for your tech tip, and I, I kind of helped you out with this one because I saw this and I, I kind of sent it to you and, and thought you may think it was cool. But I'll let you I'll let you read over it for everybody so they can get an idea of what we're talking about here. Okay, you gonna go ahead and bring the screen? Yeah, up? Yeah, I got it up. My, my tech tip is about the Slaptastic um, chip that's now available, and um, they, they've come up, it's come up available a few times throughout the years, but it's kind of raised its head again, I guess you could say, and a lot of people aren't even aware of what it is. So just in the description, I'll read it here. Most of Atari's best arcade games of the mid to late 80s used a custom Slaptastic chip to discourage hardware bootleggers. Um, most of you remember if you've had a Pac-Man or Miss Pac-Man, a lot of times you'll see a boot or Galaga. There was a lot of bootlegging, bootleg boards coming and going at that time. Um, so they put this on there to discourage that. Um, 35 years later, many valuable game boards have ended up hopelessly broken when their slap plastic chips went missing or died of old age kind of like um, the Street Fighter boards and stuff would die, you know, until we figured out or somebody figured out how to um, bring them back from the death. They were just dead. There were tons of them just laying everywhere. So uh, the slap plastic chips were missing or died of old age, and then the slap plastic helps bring these games back to life. Price is fifty dollars plus shipping, around four dollars or so. And there's a link that you can purchase those at. But um, I think if if you've been around a while, you're familiar with this chip. And uh, basically, it just is a security chip, or uh, kind of what we talked about earlier. This is an early version of a dongle. Yeah, I, yeah, I guess that's a good way to say it. So, um, but yeah, there's a lot of games. And Tim, when I think, I guess Marble Madness is one of the ones that comes to mind whenever I think about the slapstick chips. But um, there's a lot of Atari games that use these chips. And instead of having, and I mean, and for a while you couldn't get any replacements if they just died. They died, kind of like. Uh, like you're talking about with the CPS2 suicide stuff. But now you can get the Slaptastic, you can put that chip in, the, in there, and all you have to do is set the um, dip switches to the correct game, which is pretty cool. On the on the link there, it actually has the um, the dip switches for each game, so you can go there and see like what the dips are for your particular Atari game that you're trying to revive. But uh, Tim, the chip has been around for a while, but Hot Rod Arcade just started carrying it, and they have a supply of them. Um, before, I think you had to do like a special order out of the UK or something like that, and it took yeah. a while to get them. So it's nice to have something that's readily available, easy to purchase, and can bring your your dead Atari boards back 
back to life. Uh, any other thoughts about the slap slaptastic? No, I'm just kind of curious. Uh, maybe if anybody is, we've never actually used one, um, even when they were kind of available before. I'm kind of curious if anybody in the chat room has actually purchased one or used it yet. Yeah, I, I am too. I mean, I. You know, I don't really have any Atari games of that era anymore like I used to. And so, I mean, I have had no reason to purchase it. But, I, you know, for those people who do have those, the Slaptastic seems like a fantastic uh, uh, part to have around just in case. So, for sure. But uh, now that you can get them readily available from uh, Hot Rod Arcade, I think it, it's really it's really nice. $50 plus $4 shipping is pretty cheap for what you're getting, considering that it's basically going to revive your board if you're having that issue. So, um, good stuff, guys. Make sure you check it out. Uh, if you've got um, any of those... Um, Atari uh, slap uh, slapstick uh, chip based uh, boards and uh, should hopefully revive them for you if you're having issues with them. So, okay, I've got Danny here. He says he's having problems with one side of the monitor; it's jumping a little bit, and the other side is perfect. I'm used to um, I am I am used LCD monitors, and the graphics are different. Looking on the second monitor, okay, I'm having problems with one side of a monitor; it's jumping a little bit. The other side is perfect, and I'm using LCD monitors and the graphics are different looking uh, on the second monitor. So I, it sounds like he may have two monitors and the graphics are different on one other than uh, over the other. I'm thinking it's a different monitor or something. Um, what do you think, Tim? Just based on that, it's, it's kind of it's kind of hard. Let's see. It sounds like oh, he's using LCD monitors and the graphics uh-huh. are different looking on the second monitor. So. He's got two LCD monitors, and he's saying the graphics are different on one monitor than they are on the other. Okay, so, so you got one monitor that works fine? Right, correct. Okay, and then one that's kind of jumping on that side? Right. So yeah. probably the first thing we would do is swap them, right? Yeah. And see if, the, see if the problem happens, see where the problem ends up. If the problem happens on the second monitor uh, after you swap them, so like let's say the problem was on the second monitor, you swap it, and now the problem moves to the first monitor, then there's got to be a connection problem somewhere in that or something on that board that's having the issue. Um, and, and this would be like if you're doing a driving game, right? Like where you have two different monitors, you've got uh, two different game boards, maybe, and they're linked or something to that effect. If you had that and you had one that was kind of screwy looking and one that wasn't, a lot of times that's what we do, Tim. we put them back-to-back. We'd swap them, see if the problem carries over just so we could eliminate whether or not it's a monitor problem or a board problem, correct? Right. And so, Danny, that's... Go ahead. Go ahead, yeah. I was going to say, and so that's what we'd recommend doing first, right, Tim, is to try the swap and see what happens. Right. So if the problem carries over to the to the, to the the new monitor um, after the swap, then it is probably something with the connection to that monitor. If the problem does not carry over and it stays on the original monitor, then it's probably a problem with the monitor, correct? Correct. So, I mean, that... And we've done this a lot, Tim, with driving games. This is like our go-to when you have like a sit-down two-player driving game or back-to-back cabinets or something to that effect where we'll just swap them real quick just so we can figure out is the problem in the monitor, is the problem in the connection, is the problem in the game board. Uh, But if the problem travels, more than likely it's got to be something other than the monitor that's causing the issue. So, uh, Danny, try that and see if it works. And since they're LCD, you may even try just taking an off-the-shelf LCD and hooking it up just to see if if um, the problem if you can't do the full on swap that would be basically the equivalent of that as well right tim yeah also be careful where your speaker is in this game um, that you don't get it too close to um, any kind of monitor and i have seen it cause some issues unshielded and stuff 
Sounds good. Yeah, I mean, uh, like I said, it, it could be it could be a variety of things, but uh, try the swap and see, because that'll at least help you eliminate some things um, going forward, whether or not it's a monitor or a board issue. Okay, Tim, let us see here. Oh, okay, so let us get into the discussion portion. Now, Tim, I didn't do any kind of arcade debate or arcade quote-unquote discussion like we normally do just because it's January and I didn't really feel like fighting, and after all the fighting that's already happened, I kind of felt like we should bring some peace to things. So uh, no debate for this month, guys. I'm sorry. But um, we did mention earlier in the show that uh, I'm wearing my uh, Game Preserve gear. I've got my got my cup here, which has a different beverage in it now, Tim. And um, I've got my uh, shirt on. But uh, the Game Preserve has been trying to raise money, Tim, in order to stay open. And they're very, very close to their goal. They're like 90% of the way there. So um, they had a nice write-up here, Tim, in uh, the Houston Chronicle that we posted up on our Facebook page. It was called Continue, Save, Quit. Houston Arcades Face Unprecedented Struggle During the Pandemic. And you guys can check it out at the link below. But uh, they had a nice picture of Rusty, Tim. I don't know if you actually saw the um, if you saw the article, but Rusty had a good picture of him, and it says, "In June, William Russell Key Key's arcade business, the Game Preserve, was already in jeopardy. Rents about ten thousand dollars a month, and I have two locations, so that's twenty thousand dollars a month I'm losing." Said Key, "It adds up fast, plus electricity and insurance, a lot of stuff that doesn't stop, even though the doors were closed." He said, "Right now, with all of the government loans and stuff that we've got, we're a quarter million in debt." And so, Tim, I'm just going to encourage you that if you want to help out uh, Rusty and Eric and Joe and all of the great people who are involved with the Game Preserve, Tim, they're so close to reaching their goal, like I mentioned, go get some swag from their shop. That's at GamePreserveHouston.com slash shop. And, uh, and Tim, I obviously did that. I bought you one of these, too. I forget to mention. I haven't gotten it to you yet, but uh, you're going to have it here in a little bit. So, um, but I bought a, a shirt, two mugs for me and Tim, and of course we bought stuff earlier, um, when they were selling some stuff as well, Tim, but we've been trying to help out our friends as much as possible. And Tim, if you, maybe you don't, I mean, it's okay if you don't want to help out the game preserve, maybe throw some bucks to your local arcade. Cause man, I look at Facebook all the time and all I see are these heartbreaking posts of people who are having to close down arcades because of the pandemic. And Tim, it, it literally is heartbreaking to me. These are people who the only dream that they had was to run an arcade and to bring some entertainment and fun to families, and they're having to close down because of these unprecedented times. It's really depressing. So if you're not going to throw some money to the Game Preserve in Houston, throw some money to your local arcade and help them out because I'm telling you they need it. Buy some merch from them. Order some takeout if they offer takeout food or drinks or whatever. Um, do what you can because if, if we don't all help them out, they're not going to be around after the pandemic's over. So. Tim, you got anything to add? Well, just, you know, it's not just that. The, our, Rusty and them are still open. Another problem they're having is people who are still laid off and can't work, and so that their normal folks are all hurting, too. So not just them particularly, but um, just, you know, it, anybody that's struggling right now, we just want, our, want them to know our prayers are with them. And uh, if you can, maybe you can support a, if you can't support a local arcade, you might can support a local friend. If nothing else, by just calling them, encouraging them, uh, you know, and, and, and we might talk about this some more in the after show. One thing this country needs is just to be nice to each other, you know, and, and uh, we'll, we'll get back in this and we'll survive. But, you know, not every arcade will survive, not every person will survive so we got to continue to work through this together and we do wish them the best and all the arcades out there 
So by all means, if you are able to work and you can help or can give, please do. It really uh, would mean a lot to them and, and a lot to us personally with our ties. And uh, it'd be just about like giving to us, Jonathan. It would be that close to us and our fan base and people that enjoy us and stuff. So, um, you know, one, another good point to bring up, we always um, are here. We, we like to talk about games as a good distraction. Uh, and these places are good for people to get to go and play and uh, to forget about their problems and things and join their friends. No matter what political affiliation, we all drop those tags when we go in the doors and we play a game together. So um, if anything, we need more arcades, right, <laughs> instead of less. So try to support them if it's at all possible. Absolutely. And, Tim, I mean, your message goes to heart. I mean, guys, it, it, it's a tough time out there. So if it's not... If it's not helping an arcade, it's helping an individual who may need some extra rent money, or it's it's helping um, it's helping your neighbor, whoever that may be. Because Tim, I mean, right now all of us are facing tough times, and guys, I mean, can't count on the government to do it for you, because man, they they sure <laughs> they sure can't get the money out, I guess, uh, based on the last stimulus. A lot of people are hoping for a lot more, and they didn't get it. And there's a lot of people, Tim, who need a lot more. And so yeah. the need is great. And so if you have the resources to help out an arcade or to help out a fellow a friend or something like that, now's the time to do it, guys. Because there, like Tim mentioned, there's a lot of people out there hurting, not just in arcades but all over. So um, you know, try to help out wh where you can. If that's by sending some money to arcades, if that's by giving some money to your neighbor, whatever that is. Um, you know, guys, it's tough out there. It's tough right now. And um, you know, for those of us who are you know, who who have some means, you know, let's try to do what we can to pull together and help people out, for sure. And and yeah. like I said, I mean, the reason why we, we talk about the Game Preserve, Tim, is because Eric and Rusty are part of our team here. They really are. Um, you know, they, they did a lot of uh, podcast episodes with us, and Tim, we hate to see when our friends are struggling, and that's really what it comes down to. I mean, sure, they have an arcade, but man, they're really struggling right now. They really are, and so we want to try to help them as best we can. All right. Uh, and for most of us listening to this show right now, arcades are essential. So you know, <laughs> I, I'm in that group. That's an essential business right there, Tim, for sure. Yeah. So um, mm -hmm. let's. Uh, YouTube Punk says if his if he were Bezos rich, I'd be bailing out all of these arcades. You see, well, I would. I would too. In fact, um, I don't know if you heard though. It's Elon Mount Musk passed Bezos today. Uh, for yeah, the richest man in the world. So if I was were Elon Musk rich, I'd be bailing out everybody for sure. But, um, you know, Tim, it, it's just tough. I mean, it, it's tough. I mean, even with all the money in the world, you couldn't help everybody necessarily. I mean, it would be it'd be a tough thing to do. So, I mean, you know, those of us th those of us who have, you know, let's try to help out where we can. I mean, it doesn't have to be much, guys. You know, buy – I mean, I think the mug was five or ten bucks, Tim, or whatever it was, you know. But, um, but you know, it, it, if it helps them out, then it helps them out. You know what I'm saying? Well, it's kind of like a homeless person, and they were begging for money. And I pulled over, and all I had was a dollar, and I gave them a dollar. And the person with me, I think a dollar's going to help them much. And I looked behind me, and there was a string of about 20 cars. I said it would if every car gave a dollar. And that changed their viewpoint on giving. It's not about the amount sometimes. It's uh, about your part and what you do. So five dollars might not mean much to you, but corporately, when everybody sends in that money, it could really help them out. Absolutely. So, Danny says, "Yeah, sad that all businesses are struggling, struggling uh, though, but arcades definitely because that is, 
uh, getting hard to find them any uh, anymore, or even more though. Yeah, I mean, it, arcade. It's tough because arcades are kind of uniquely positioned to be more of a social gathering place. And right now, when you're not having social gatherings, it makes it really hard to have have a place that's a social gathering place. And so, um, like I said, you know, if you can't help them out, guys, we're not. I mean, we're not going to harp on this too much. But if you've got the means and you can't help them out, help them out. Right, Tim? Yeah. So there we go. So, um, but uh, we're wishing Eric and Rusty the best. Tim, I mean, they're so close. Like I said, 10%. They just have to get 10% of their go- uh, 10% of the way to their goal, and then they're there. So, again, just a little bit more, and we'll be there, guys. Uh, help them out if you can. And, you know, if you're not, not them, just help out somebody or another arcade or whatever you can. Uh, every little bit, I think, uh, goes a long way right now with uh, people struggling. So, Okay, what do I have next here on the old outline, Tim? Oh, how about Led Zeppelin pinball, Tim? Yeah. What do you think about this? I, I think we have, uh, you know, not that something I wanted to rush out, but we had some people that were very close to us that were very interested in this pinball game. So yeah, and he's not I here. To, he's not here tonight. I was hoping he'd be here, but we'll talk about that here in a second, Tim. Um, I'm going to just go ahead and talk a little bit about it. All the models of the new Led Zeppelin announced by Stern Pinball uh, feature three steel ramps, three banks of drop targets, a three bank drop target, uh, and three flippers throughout the play field, a toy of the Swan Song Records. Icarus will also be included that will apparently leap about the machine whenever the ball is hit. Now, the higher-end models, the premium and the limited edition, um, will also feature an electric magic toy that will capture balls, make them disappear, and both lock and launch them around the machine, along with some other things, Tim. I just kind of, I just kind of uh, threw some of the uh, different um, toys and things that were on it. But Tim, I liked the the designs. I thought that it was very well designed. It matches the Led Zeppelin. Uh, they're different. Some of their different albums and things and their artwork, which I thought yeah. was really cool. But uh, like you mentioned, Tim, our own Louie actually put down his uh, his down payment on one and is going to get a premium model very soon. And I did talk him into doing a um, an unboxing, but he said I had to edit it, which means that it'll be done in like thirty seven years. So um, okay. you, you won't see it for a while because, as everybody knows, I'm terrible with editing it takes me forever but um he he did order one tim which i thought was awesome louis a big led zeppelin fan so i I mean tim i want to play it i definitely want to give it a play um i i'm not one that would probably put down money on this particular theme but if you are man it it looks like a a uh, very promising machine for those led zeppelin fans out there like big fans yeah I think so. And it is really cool. I can't wait to play one myself. Yeah, I'm going to have to make a trip to Louie's house and, and try, <laughs> try it out at some point. Uh, he lives pretty far away from here. I'm not going to say where he lives, but he lives pretty far away from here. But I've made a tri- I've seen him before. We've, we've, you know, we've uh, talked and everything. But uh, might have to make a trip to, to Louie's just to play it. So looking forward to that. Um, now, Wasteland Warriors said he thought the play field looked empty and boring. Hopefully it plays better than the gameplay I've seen. You know, I mean, these games nowadays, it, it's really, you know, it's really tough. But I mean, Theme plays a lot into it for people, and I think that's how it was with Louis. Is that he's just such a big Led Zeppelin fan? For him, this was this was a go-to theme that he wanted. And if you're like that, Tim, a lot of times, if I mean, if it's a theme that I really, 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 really love, I mean, the gameplay can just be all right, and I'll probably still enjoy it, right? Yeah. Especially with a music pin where you're hearing the music from from the band, right? I mean, and you already like the music, so you already know that you like that. So, I mean, uh, with that, I think, I, I think, like I said, for a lot of people, that the theme makes the pinball machine. And Tim the Sturm, pinball machines lately have played fine. I mean, uh, some of them are, are very good, but most of them I enjoy. I, 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 don't th- I can't think of one, a recent game that I've played that I 
I dislike. Most of them right. play pretty decently. And so, well, it may look a little empty. Um, like I said, I mean, as long as you're a fan of the band, it's going to play decently. Stern's going to make sure it does. So, I mean, I think it will be a huge seller for them. What about you, Tim? I think so. I think it was a good choice. Absolutely. This is something I think a lot of people have been wanting for a long time. And, you know, Tim, I think we can all agree that ACDC basically opened back up the door for music pins because there for a while man there were some really bad music pins i think about rolling stones with the mick on the stick yeah and some of the other ones i mean there were some that were just terrible but but when acdc came back it kind of opened the door for pretty much every other band uh to to uh to have their pinball machine based on that formatting of doing the mode select with the songs and all that kind of stuff so but i want to play it so at some point hopefully tim will both get be able to but i will tell you this we're not going to be playing it at the 2021 Texas Pinball Festival, unfortunately, because they canceled it. So I'll go ahead and put the scene up here. Despite, and this is from the Texas Pinball Festival Committee, despite our hopes of moving forward with 2021, it is apparent that the United States and other countries are not ready for large events or travel. To say we are disappointed is an understatement, but the support and understanding of everyone in the pinball community has reassured us that this is the best decision for the safety of everyone and the preservation of Texas Pinball Festival. Paid 2020 guests and vendors will be carried over to 2022. Stay tuned for more information and updates in the coming months. And Tim, this is so sad because we missed last year. Really hate that we're going to be missing this year too, you know? It's just, it's, it's, um, but I think they made the right call here. As much as I don't like it, obviously, it's still the right call, right? I think so. I mean, it's too yeah. early. We haven't had enough people get the vaccine yet. And, you know, you, you, you can't risk it. You can't risk it. So, what were you gonna say? I, I said you're you're right. It's um, I don't think they had a choice. You know, it wasn't really an option this year. Exactly. So, um, considering they're so early, if they had been, in, you know, later in the year, maybe October, November time frame, kind of like when we get the Houston Expo, um, they may have had a better shot at it. But being being in March, I think, made it difficult. They kind of had to pull the trigger quick on it. So. Um, totally understand. Hopefully, you know, they, they can uh, carry everything over to, to uh, 2022. And I look forward to playing some pinball then, Tim. And hopefully we'll get to go to at least one festival this year. I don't, maybe the the Houston Expo will be on. I guess we'll just have to see how things are going with the um, with the vaccine and everything. Tim, uh, talking about that real quick, you, have you known anybody who's gotten the vaccine yet? And how were they? Um, no, I don't know anybody because I don't have many friends in the healthcare field. That's pretty much the only people around here that's been able to get it. Um, so, uh, what about you, John? I've got about five people that I know that have had it. Three are nurses, three are elderly, or two are elderly, excuse me. Um, uh, and nobody's grown a third arm yet, so I think we're in good shape. <laughs> so, um, but um, yeah, they are giving it to people who are 65, 70 plus right now in Texas. Um, you can a lot of times get through your doctor. So if you go to your doctor, if you're in that 65, 70 uh, age range or older, if you talk to them about it, you can get it. So um, the other three, like I said, were healthcare workers who got it, and they they've been fine um, after the vaccine. So I'm hoping that you know by mid to late spring we're going to be able to get it ourselves. So we're just going to have to see how it goes from there, though. So. 
Um, Danny says, love to play the Led Zeppelin plus the new Guns N' Roses uh, to love rock um, love rock music, though. Yeah, I want to play the new Guns N' Roses for sure from, from Jersey Jack. I've been wanting to give it a, a whirl since they debuted it. And Tim, we love the original Dead, Data East uh, Guns N' Roses machine. It's a cool one. So uh, I'm hoping that the JJP version of that is uh, is just as good, if not better. So. Yeah, I hope so. There we go. So um, let's see what else we have here. Floyd's Arcade has one on order. Can't wait to try it out. Just glad companies are still making games. Yeah. And, you know, Tim, I think it's actually for, like, um, pinball machine companies and for the smaller home arcade companies. I think the pandemic has actually helped them quite a bit because people are buying pinball machines in lieu of going on vacations and things, it seems like. Yeah. So, um, but now, like you said, I think with the bigger raw thrills pieces that really aren't made to put in people's houses, I think that's where they've probably been hurting, you know, is just that they don't really have the same kind of machine that people want in their house. And that re- that's really what it comes down to. Well, they don't, uh, but ICE is definitely uh, selling homes, keyball units and stuff. So they're having to change up their business plan a little bit this next year. Yeah, and uh, Tim, it's smart on their part. I mean, ICE is a big player in the industry. And hopefully some of their home arcade units, they are expensive, Tim. The ICE home arcade units are not cheap, but, you know, it's, it's cheaper than a pinball machine in a lot of cases, and people are buying those. So I think I think ICE is, is doing good by making that transition to the home market, so. Okay, uh, let's see. Delusionals Arcade is here. He says, Happy New Year, everyone. And YouTube Punk says, Happy New Year to you, too. Happy New Year to everybody. Hope you Again, we hope that everybody has a great 2021. We're looking forward to it for sure, so. Now, Tim, I think this is the last thing on my outlines here, Tim, and this is, I actually ended up watching it um, before the show. I didn't know if I was going to get to, but I did. I have seen it now, but that is the insert coin documentary that tells the behind the scenes story of Midway Games during the arcade boom of the 90s. And you can get on Amazon. We have our Amazon ad link there for you guys to check it out, and I'll be posting that in the show notes um, probably tomorrow sometime. But, Tim, have you watched it yet? No, I didn't didn't even know it was out there yet. I mean, I didn't know it was on Amazon. It's on Amazon. you got to buy it. It's like $10 or something like that. I can't remember. But it is fantastic. Basically, it tells the story of kind of... Uh, kind of the comeback of Williams Midway Valley and, and you know, um, starting starting with uh, NARC and then working its way through Mortal Kombat and Terminator 2 and even Revolution X, Tim. Um, really cool stuff. And um, NBA Jam is kind of included in that as well. Uh, great documentary. I enjoyed it immensely. And if you haven't seen it, go watch it. It's great. So, uh, But I'll read the synopsis here. Insert Coin is the amazing behind-the-scenes story of one of the greatest video game studios of all time, Midway Games. Led by the godfather of video games, Eugene Jarvis, the company pioneered the concept of live-action gaming, kickstarting a new arcade boom, engrossing billions of dollars in the process with massive hits like Mortal Kombat and NBA Jam, franchises that are still popular today. Now available to rent or buy on Amazon and virtual cinemas. Please see their website at insertcoindoc.com uh, for more information. Um, yeah, and you can, like I said, we have our Amazon ad link up there too, guys, if you guys want to um, check it out there. But you can buy it, you can rent it, watch it. It's great. Um, and, you know, it really do, they do interviews with a lot of the main people, Tim, that were at um, Williams and Bally and Midway during that time. And um, it, it, I tell you, they tell some great stories. So if you're into those 90s arcade games uh, by Midway, Tim, you're going to love it. Great stuff. So, uh, Delusional's Arcade says, good story, subpar filming, lots of shots were blurry. I agree, yeah, the filming was a little rough, but the story, I mean, it's just, the reason you watch the documentary is for the story, right, Tim? 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, the filming's okay. I mean, that's fine. But uh, it's all about the story, and this it is a great story. If you're a fan of Mortal Kombat or NBA Jam, you should definitely check it out. Those seem to be the two really featured ones of, of the ones they talk about. But they also have Revo- Revolution X talk in there, Terminator 2 talk. NARC gets a lot of love because NARC was kind of like the first game that they used the um, the filming of the live-action actors to put in the game and things like that. So um, great stuff. Very entertaining. Highly recommended. Insert Coin documentary on Amazon right now. Okay, Tim, I think we're we're about ready to wrap it up here. So I'm going to go ahead and remind everybody that we are looking for arcade-related videos. If you want some free advertising for your YouTube channel, we're looking for people to submit short videos about arcade-related topics. Send a link of your video to questions at arcaderepairtips.com and our staff will review it. Uh, if we like it, we'll use it during one of our live show episodes. Make sure you put the plug in for your channel so people will know where to find you. We look forward to seeing your submissions as always, Tim. And we haven't got any of those in a while, but again, we want to help out the smaller arcade channels. If you're um, not monetized now and you're trying to build your audience and you're, you have arcade-related content, please send over uh, kind of a sample of what your content is, and we'll try to put it on the live show and give you a little bit of uh, promotion there because we want to help you guys out. We want to get you guys monetized for sure. And then, Tim, of course, we have all of our contact information. I'll just go ahead and wrap it up here. We have our general email address at questions at arcaderepairtips.com, questions at arcaderepairtips.com. If you put live show in the subject, it will get mentioned on the show. That's usually how we do it. So, again, that's questions at arcaderepairtips.com, questions at arcaderepairtips.com. Then we have our YouTube page at youtube.arcaderepairtips.com. Of course, if you're watching this live, you are already here, but you may be watching this on our webpage or after the pack fact or you may be listening to it on the podcast and if that's the case make sure you check out the video version of this at youtube.arcaderepairtips.com and uh, comments from the last live show will be covered on the next episode and then we have our podcast email that goes to eric and rusty of course tim we talked about them earlier is there uh part of the ownership team of the game preserve but you can also reach them by emailing podcast at arcade repair tips.com hopefully we're going to get an episode out of them at some point but tim with all of the things that they're going through right now i understand that trying to record one may be difficult so we it may be a while before we get another episode but uh, if you want to listen to the episodes that are already out there make sure you check out our itunes page at itunes.arcaderepairtips.com or stitcher page at stitcher.arcaderepairtips.com we also are on spotify if you search for arcade repair tips and the um, question answer podcast you'll find on spotify as well and if you're on stitcher or itunes make sure you leave us a good review we'd love that uh, let us know how we're doing we always appreciate that but again itunes.arcaderepairtips.com and stitcher.arcaderepairtips.com uh, in order to listen to the podcast and then tim we have our social media pages facebook.arcaderepairtips.com and tim always we always want to thank mark and louis for the absolutely fantastic job they do posting uh, all of the great stories for on our Facebook pages and all of that stuff does get cross-posted to our Twitter feed as well at twitter.arcaderepairtips.com. So if you're not on Facebook and you'd rather just follow us on Twitter, you get to pretty much the same content in both places. But again, facebook.arcaderepairtips.com for Facebook and twitter.arcaderepairtips.com for our Twitter feeds. And we do answer questions on both from time to time. So if you want to leave your questions there, you can as well. Uh, Tim, it looks like we, had, we may have had an, a late question come in the live chat real quick. Um, Mike says, can anyone help me get my Rave Racers to work? He said, um, let's see. Um, hi, my Namco Rave Racer does not work after I restored the body work. But he's not talking about, he's not saying exactly what happened. If it's if it happened after you've done some, like, uh, cabinet restoration, it may be that something came unplugged during that. Tim, a lot of times when we're doing, lamin- when we're laminating an arcade cabinet, we like to lay it on its side. And so uh-huh. sometimes during that process, things will come disconnected, Correct. 
it's very likely or very easy. Even a wire or something can come undone. Absolutely. So um, if it happened after your cabinet restoration, more than likely it's because something got shaken. Uh, Tim, something you always need to make sure of anytime you transport or you're going to lay a game on its side is to make sure that everything's screwed down and, connect, and, and that there's nothing like just kind of flopping around your arcade cabinet like uh, we've seen chassis that weren't screwed down main board main game boards that weren't screwed down and as soon as you lay that thing on its side everything jolts over so make sure anytime you're you're going to be laying down a game or you're going to be transporting a game that everything is secured before you do it that way you don't end up with more problems uh, than what you started with so um that happens a lot we see that quite a bit so uh, Danny Ransom says, could you add a bigger monitor to an Arcade 1-Up? Yes, you can. Uh, you can get the, uh, there's an adapter that you can get that will allow you to do VGA output from the, uh, or allow the monitor to accept a VGA output. I think there's a backwards adapter too that will allow you to take the inputs from the um, from the Arcade 1-Up board and use them on a VGA monitor. I have not seen that as much as I've seen the other, but there is a video out there about it that um, I've seen posted on some of the Arcade 1-Up groups. So if you're interested in that, you may want to do a search on YouTube for using a, um, a monitor with an original Arcade 1-Up PCB, I believe is what that video is called. But there is one about that. I don't think it was very difficult. So if you want to make the, the monitor bigger, if you want to go the bigger monitor in it, then you'll probably need to look at that video and get an adapter as well. So let's see what else we have here. Um, oh, David says in the um, in the documentary, Insert Coin, they also cover Revolution X. Um, and they do. And it's pretty it's pretty interesting how all that happened. I don't want to give away the um, uh, anything from the documentary, Tim. But the part about Revolution X is very interesting. Because you're probably wondering to yourself, why did they make a gun game about Aerosmith, right? If you want to know, watch the documentary. You'll find out. Oh, okay. So there you go. But um, anyway, guys, um, it sounds like I think we're about done. Delusional says, don't forget to give a thumbs up, folks. Pay it forward in 2021. We do appreciate all your thumbs up, of course. And uh, make sure you go follow Delusional's Arcade on YouTube, too, guys. He's got great content, great channel there. Um, and uh, like I said, we there's so many great arcade repair-related channels here on YouTube. Delusional's Arcade is one of them. Maddie Moe's Arcade is one of them. You guys check those out if you haven't already. Um, Tim, I think we're about done here. So is there anything else you want to say before we uh, sign off here and move on to the after show? Any after show teasers may be good. So, Well, um, we probably won't talk politics much, but we will talk about, we may, may address a few things like that, but we will talk about um, some shows that we've watched, and I may talk about stock market a little bit. I've got a few tips for the coming year as uh, with different administration, different things to invest in will come up. Yeah, and I actually, um, you know, speaking of things we watched, Tim, I've, I got to watch a lot over the holidays. The one thing I think we both said we watched was Wonder Woman 1984. So if you're interested in hearing our thoughts on that, um, Tim, obviously 84 is a very near and dear uh, time to both of our hearts. We both like 1984. A lot of great arcade games happened then. But if you want to hear our thoughts on Wonder Woman 1984, make sure you stay tuned to the after show. Or if you're listening to this on the podcast feed, make sure you check out the YouTube video for the after show. So, well, Tim, I think that's going to wrap it up here. Um, okay, hang on. We got something coming in. Milo says, um, it's making noise, but no screen. Uh, I striped it. Um, I striped, I stripped it into little pieces, put it all back. Power goes into the PCB board under the tube, but no glow. So man, that could be a number of things, right, Tim? That could be a connection issue. First, of course, we're always going to say start at power. So we'd probably right. recommend, you know, just making sure that all of your power connections are good as 
the ones to the board, including the ones to the monitor. Make sure that you're getting voltage there. Test it with your multimeter there, Milo, to make sure that you're getting vol good voltages all the way around. That's going to be very important. So anytime you do that, you definitely want to recheck your voltages to make sure everything's dialed in. Okay, Tim. Well, I'm, I'm going to leave it there. We may um, end up addressing a little bit more of Milo's question in the after show. But um, anyway, guys, we hope that you have a wonderful 2021. Thank you so much for joining us tonight for the live show. And we hope to see you back here next month. And remember here at Arcade Repair Tips, when we fix the game, Tim? You play the game. Take care, everybody. We'll see you in the after show, or we'll see you for the next live show in February. We'll see you then. Good night. Thank you for watching this episode of the Arcade Repair Tips live show. All of our past episodes are available on our website at ArcadeRepairTips.com or on our YouTube page. This show is intended for entertainment and educational purposes only. Please consult a professional before attempting to repair any coin-operated machines yourself. The preceding program is a Varcade Entertainment production.